This is Talking Ears. We are here to talk about not another regular episode with a guest or anything like that. In fact, you could say that this episode has lots of guests because we're talking about a Music Cares and Tuned panel discussion that was recently held. And Juan, unfortunately, you were unable to be there. Yeah, that's right. I unfortunately missed out on this wonderful event to help celebrate the month of October for National Protect Your Hearing Month to raise awareness about noise-induced hearing loss and ways to prevent it. But uh, it's something that I, at least right now, can have the opportunity to kind of uh, fill in and share in the fun. (laughs) It's a nice way that we can make it work. So with that, I thought it would be apropos for us to, uh, who says apropos? I thought it would be appropriate for us to come on a regular episode and instead of just playing the audio from the panel discussion, which seems like an easy approach to this, I want your answers to these questions as well because our fearless leader, Heather Maliak Barbone, decided to ask us some incredibly good questions. I'm personally actually Super curious to hear your answers to this. So uh, Heather, that I just mentioned, is an audiologist in Ohio, and she's actually the head of audiology at Tuned. Tuned is a platform that Juan and I have been seeing patients through. It's a telehealth platform. You probably heard us talk about this on the show before. And and Juan, uh, remind me, when when did you start seeing patients on Tuned? As soon as Tuned actually started, you and I have kind of been on the team since the very beginning. And it was something that was a challenge. It sometimes still is, but it's such a new and exciting way to have access to hearing health and hearing wellness care. It is. It is. And so it's been, uh, boy, I guess it seems like about three years since they started this whole process. And then we've been seeing patients since late last fall on the platform. Uh, so we're coming up on a year of uh, teleaudiology, which uh, has been said before, can't be done. And now here we are doing teleaudiology. And so this relationship came out of this interesting company, Tuned, whose sole goal is to make audiology, the care of ears from audiologists, a service that can be shared online which is, again, a strange concept for any audiologist listening right now is probably thinking that sounds a little atypical and and interesting. Well, we partnered with Music Cares, which we've talked about also on this show before, Music Cares being the Grammy Association folks, the uh, Recording Academy, and it is their charitable wing. It allows the Grammy Association and and the Recording Academy to give back to the music industry through uh, grants, through funding for different aspects, not only hearing healthcare, but other things like mental health and um, funding for financial support during uh, natural disasters, such as uh, what's going on in Maui. So it's a wonderful organization. And I've actually been seeing Music Cares patients uh, in Philadelphia for almost a decade now when we actually go to do in-person clinics, but they stopped that. Now we're only doing the telepractice, and I think that's super exciting. This this platform really fits well for, for this group. It does, yeah. It feels really good. Uh, I have seen historically through all the patients that I've seen, it's something that they're incredibly thankful for and very grateful that there is a way that they can be seen where they're at and um, in the way that they might even prefer. 
So why don't we kick off with Heather. Uh, during this episode, we're going to introduce you to four other audiologists who are on the Tuned platform. But Heather is our leader. She's our figurehead. She's our uh, she's our guidepost. She's the one who basically we can blame for this. And I have a short clip from the panel discussion that I'll be playing uh, throughout this episode. But this first clip I want to show is just Heather explaining the the tuned and music carriage relationship a little bit more succinctly than what I did. So when it comes to music audiology, that is audiologists who have been trained and specialized in working with the music industry, sometimes it can be difficult to find the right provider. Over a year ago, Music Cares made the choice to partner with Tuned so that music industry professionals who wanted to speak with an audiologist could access providers like us, those who get it and are experienced with the unique needs of this population. So over the Tuned platform, Music Cares members can have a full three-part hearing screening, which happens to be one of the most thorough and validated in existence currently. They can meet with one of us music audiologists to discuss any needs from hearing loss prevention education to hearing disorder management, like disorders such as tinnitus, ringing in the ears, um, and even assistance getting hearing aids if they're needed. All ages, all needs, and all walks of life are welcome within our special partnership. So today, I'd like to introduce all of the listeners to a few audiologists who have been with us since the very beginning of this special partnership to just address some topics and questions to inform the listeners about the program, but also hopefully to entertain a little and educate. So the other individuals, like I said, we're going to be meeting throughout the rest of this episode, the other audiologists who are on the panel. Um, But she then goes on to ask us all some really great questions. And this is one of the first questions she asked us. I'll roll the tape. Do you have a favorite story or encounter from a Music Cares patient you've seen untuned to share? And I will quickly tell mine, and you would think mine would be some pull at your heartstrings, whatever, but it's not. I saw this like 20-year-old tech, touring tech, who was so excited about this appointment, but didn't have Wi-Fi and couldn't get a signal. And we were in every room of the house. We were on the front steps of the house. We walked down the street together on our appointment and we made it work. And it was just so fun because this person was so appreciative, so excited, did not want to miss any bit of information. And we just made it happen. And that is also something I love about telehealth, that no matter where someone is on the road in the music industry, and even if they have to walk around for an hour during the appointment to find a signal, health healthcare can still happen. So that that's my personal favorite of what I've seen so far. What about you guys? I'll put it to you, Juan. Do you have a favorite? Love to hear your story. I'm not entirely sure if I have a favorite story. Just because everyone I see, everyone's different. And I love hearing everyone's individual story, where they're at, what their concerns are, what their needs are. And what I love about what we do is that it's not that we're just throwing foam earplugs at everybody. We're actually taking time to listen to Mm. what could be incorporated into their work and lifestyle, something that actually works for them. And the cool thing is, is that we have ongoing collaboration. If something doesn't work, we can still continue on and find something that uh, can be of benefit. So what I love about it is that we can 
provide a sense of empowerment and help inspire that person, uh, especially depending if they're working with other situations that they need to be motivated and self-disciplined. It's something that we can bring a new sense of hope into their lifestyle. And it's something that they can continue to utilize. And it's something that isn't just a one-off appointment thing. They can understand and learn that this is something that will be an ongoing part of their career, which is nice because just because someone's a musician doesn't mean that they're doomed to eventually lose their hearing. Something that this particular patient had actually shared. They were concerned about that. It was something that was really, really nice to be able to help bring in that insight, that education, and that uh, inspiration to uh, be empowered about their own, their money makers, their most important part of their body, to be quite honest. Yeah. I definitely reflect that. I, I, I'm curious, I want to ask you, because as a guitar player, as a fan of metal, as a fan of, you know, a very specific genre, I know that you like all kinds of music, but that that's kind of where a lot of your heart lies with your your own production. Do you feel a certain kinship to certain uh, certain patients who come on? Like, oh, I'm looking through this person's history list, and I'm like, yes, man, we were going to chat about all those guitars on the wall, chat about the guitars, chat about all the loudness that we love, you know. And so, um, yeah, that is a that's my history. That's really what I would be doing if I wasn't an audiologist, to be honest. And so, it's just a kind of that shared experience and getting to learn from them. That's actually a very exciting thing that I didn't uh, really get to expect. Just the very idea that we have time to be able to talk and just talk and swap stories and just be kind of real. And it's a really wonderful way to to do that. And so, yes, of course, there are times when, oh, yeah, I saw that band during this tour or, yes, I loved when they pulled out this guitar and things like that. And so, absolutely, yeah, there is that um, that shared moment that makes it extra unique and special for sure. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think this is probably the same for anybody who does any kind of art or expression or any field of whatever. They just they, the one of the reasons that you're in that field is because you like talking to other people about the field. As as a musician myself, I just love talking to musicians about their work, about their process, about their uh, stage life, about their rehearsal spaces, about their instruments, and so I feel like. Every time that I have another patient on tuned, it's like another chance to be welcomed into somebody else's uh, environment. And very often, uh, we're seeing people in their homes, which just like I have in my space, I basically have a little corner of my life that is just surrounded by all my instruments and my music. And so you can kind of see a person's personality just spread across their walls, if that makes sense. I had a televisit with a drummer a couple months ago and he was sitting in front of like this very small drum set and that was his laptop and he was a conversation about it. So we're talking about his drum set and we can have some context about his drum set. And at one point he said, one sec, let me go find my earplugs. I want to ask you a question about them. So he took his laptop and started walking and left that small room that he was in and walked through. Uh, you ever seen Jay Leno's car garage? It was like that, but with drum sets. It looked like this guy lived in the like in a music 
store drum room. And that was just his living space. It was just 60, 70 drum sets just in every state of repair or disrepair or, I mean, it was wild. And so obviously that changed our conversation slightly because we can then kind of nerd out about certain aspects that are very specific to the individual and not necessarily general globalized, hey, protect your ears because they're important. Let's talk. Instead, I'm thinking, let's talk about your hi-hat. Let's talk about your snare drum. Let's talk about your use of, you know, monitors when you're on stage as a drummer using a wedge monitor versus in-ear monitors and what, how that's going to relate. It, it helps us focus on the them rather than on the general. I absolutely agree. Kind of uh, making it, not even making it specific to them, but that's what's so wonderful about this is that we do get the opportunity to get an idea of that person and kind of um, almost be part of their band in a way, because we're learning about their instruments and mm -hmm. we're talking about their ears, which we can maybe argue is uh, one of our primary instruments. And it's just such a fun and very cool way to be able to interact with musicians and provide some guidance at the very least. 100%. I also have a clip here from Shannon Switzer. She's the director of the audiology clinic at, or I guess the hearing clinic at Sensophonics in Chicago. And she had a really good response to this patient's story. So we'll listen to that one now. My story is about a patient that I saw on Tuned who has been in an orchestra for over 20 years. And this was the first time he was ever able to access hearing health services. Um, which surprised me, but that's exactly why we developed this partnership between Music Hears and Tuned. But the reason that that appointment stuck out to me was he is also involved in his orchestra's union. So he was being uh, doubling down, getting information for himself as a musician, but also wondering what advice he should bring to his union for trying to get hearing health coverage for all of his coworkers too. So that was a really fun appointment because I could lay down all these general recommendations as well as really tailor his own listening need recommendations too. So we'll see. Hopefully he can help us bring hearing health to the masses. And if not, they can all see us on Tuned too. I just think it's wonderful that a lot of the patients that we're seeing are really excited after the appointment that they're, I'm going to tell everyone about this. I'm going to tell my band. I'm going to tell my spouse. I'm going to tell my family. The appointment meant so much that they're actually going to um, be become an ambassador or become someone that uh, they can help someone else potentially by bringing in just awareness and thinking about things a little bit more and creating an understanding of how important uh, their sense of hearing is. And they can do so with people that look like them, that can relate to them, that get it and uh, have that, um, have that understanding, which I think is a really powerful thing. That's Agreed. added so much good, I think, to the world. Yeah. And, and Shannon mentioned something there that, that really struck me, which is that a lot of professional musicians are in performers' union, unions, performers' unions, and they struggle with safety as a concept because there's no regulations. So unlike workers' unions in other industries that can lean back and point at like an OSHA regulation or something and just say there – 
this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be doing that right there. This is the legal requirement, the minimum. Uh, that doesn't exist in music. The fact that people are looking towards our care or our visits as a goalpost, as a guide to say, what should I be asking my management? What should I be pushing for in a union meeting? Uh, it, it brings a certain amount of responsibility to this conversation that extends for me beyond the single uh, individual that I'm so used to and comfortable talking to, um, realizing, oh man, my words are going to be quoted in possibly some contract negotiations for this orchestra or for this for this performers union. Um, and that's how it should be. And the fact that they feel comfortable sharing that and they see this as such a value, everything you said, it's so great. Yeah, it's a very powerful feeling, indeed. So Heather's in a funny position, and I want her to share exactly why she's in an interesting position as the head of audiology with Tuned, but she's able to see all the data that comes in. She explains that it's all with uh, PHI removed, the public or personal health information removed, but instead she's seeing all the questionnaire responses, all the data, all the uh, hearing test responses, and that's identified some interesting trends for her. So I'm going to pause and let her explain further. I have started seeing some trends, some commonalities, and I wanted you guys to mention what you've seen. But what I've seen on the questionnaire side is something really interesting. Many people state that they specifically want to prevent tinnitus, which is ringing in the ears or other sounds in the ears. And I did not expect that at all. Um, you know, I thought people might say, well, I want to prevent hearing loss. I want to be able to play forever. Or I thought people might say, you know, what they want to address is existing hearing loss or something like that. But it seems to me that we're seeing a theme of musicians being terrified of tinnitus, at least at least on the questionnaires they're filling out. What have you guys been seeing in terms of appointments? Any trends? So another panelist Lisa Tenenbaum, she's a music audiologist on the West Coast, and she has been doing uh, what we would now consider music audiology for decades. She's worked with everybody you can name on the West Coast out there between San Francisco to L.A. and uh, is working a lot in the TV and broadcasting industry, as well as in the, the pro studios out there as with the touring acts and everybody else. She has such this wonderful, refreshing view on music audiology, and I I just love hearing her talk. So this is her response to, to what Heather just put out. I'd say the majority of people I talk with are, at least initially, mostly looking for some really good earplugs that'll, that, that will protect them and sound good. That's been, a, I don't know if it's a trend, but that's something that typically comes up in a conversation. So what have you seen, Juan? A little bit of both what Heather and what Lisa had mentioned. They are looking for ways to lessen their tinnitus, make it less noticeable, learn what it's what it really is, discuss ways that we can manage it. Um, but they also are in that position where they're saying, well, you know, I need to keep working. What can I do? How can I prevent this from getting worse? And that's something that Lisa had mentioned is that we can provide them with hearing protection that sounds good. 
And I think that's a very nice, easy way to put it. It's hearing protection that sounds good, simple as it is, um, but it's a really effective way that um, we can incorporate something, can at least try something. But that's something that I've been noticing a lot. Folks want to make sure that they're not overexposing themselves to way too much loudness from their livelihood, from their work, from something that they honestly just love doing and that they will continue to do regardless if anything does happen. But if there's a way that they can prevent something bad from happening in the first place, I think that shift, I'm seeing a little bit more of that, this more openness to understanding uh, of our bodies that sometimes uh, it can be ignored. And I'm with them as someone who um, knows well now that our sense of hearing is invisible. A lot of times we just don't think about it. We we don't reflect on it. We don't uh, put as much emphasis or care into it. And so that's something that you and I have discussed countless times, I think. And yeah. so it's just with that realization that they go, I want to do something to make sure that I can still enjoy doing what I'm doing and how I'm doing so. A lot of times it's just that enrichment from their sense of hearing. Longevity, I think. Right. A lot of people, I, I think, put that down specifically. How do I keep my ears from getting bad or getting worse? The tinnitus thing, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in the episode because this comes up directly. I think I'm seeing a lot of folks concerned about tinnitus, probably because I mentioned that in my bio and I mentioned that in my in my intro video and in my provider bio that that I work with tinnitus patients. And so a lot of folks are coming in saying, help me with this right? Either help me avoid it because I see other people getting it or help me deal with it now that I've gotten it. Um, the other trend that I've been seeing recently, and I think it, it's not something that you and I have actually talked about a lot. Something else is this kind of shift in the culture, shift in the culture of safety and the culture towards wellness in general in the music industry. When I was full-time in music, this was now a decade and a half ago, I felt like just then was I starting to see bands put on their rider that they want quinoa and kale salads and all about health and all about like wellness on the road. I hadn't heard of that much before. And the vast majority were not thinking that way. And now I'm seeing this shift in general towards health and wellness because people recognize road life is hard. Eating and being healthy is expensive, so there's got to be some kind of an in-between <laughs> between the two of them. The fact that that's crossing over to hearing health and the hearing health is becoming more of a, I don't want to say trendy, but more of a common conversation, evidenced by the fact that you and I, Juan, were asked to go on to a podcast last year, less than a year ago, that's just for audio engineers, and they wanted to ask us about hearing health. That's cool. Yeah, it's it was really exciting to observe this. And it's something that when I was in music full-time, no one paid attention to it. Hardly anyone gave any, um, any extra thought into just wellness and health and even nutrition, uh, let alone safety or even just concern with our, with our hearing, with our ears. And so it's actually really cool I think that it's there's this shift where it's not geeky inherently. Some people might think it is, but actually it's just a way to utilize 
tools and resources to help the performer, help the artist be who they can be, who they want to be in the best way. Without they, barrier. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't know how, if, you, if you've heard this trend as well, because you and I both had music classes in college world a while ago. <laughs> and I don't remember ever hearing anybody talk about hearing wellness and hearing care at that time. But now I'm hearing a lot of younger musicians come in, especially into these appointments, saying things like, well, I've been wearing earplugs since my professor said, or I've been wearing earplugs since first year of college because this was drilled into us. I've heard so many people use that phrase. This was drilled into us. And I want to, I just want to ask like, where, who was holding the drill? Like who, who did this? This is amazing. I'm so happy. Yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure for me. My approach has never been to you know, drill and force people what to do. Well, I don't think it's you and I. I think it's professors and, and teachers yeah. and, and music, which I'm happy they're doing it. Very much so. Yes, I agree. Um, the cool thing is that, you know, uh, there are other ways that we can incorporate things without the, uh, maybe the harshness, perhaps my perception of just that word. But the <laughs> I, I love the idea that, yeah, it's becoming as uh, just a common thing to to incorporate, and that's what's uh, so exciting. I think because it's something that I wish I had before, and being able to um, be amongst the providers to uh, mm -hmm. be addressing this need, very important need, um, is really really special and unique. And so, I'm glad that there is some shift in the culture. Um, and especially for the younger musicians that we're seeing, because a lot of them are concerned about um, the the longevity of their career. So yeah. that's a fantastic way to start thinking about that. So yep. I'm not hearing too much. If it's too loud, you're too old, that kind of comment anymore. I feel like that's kind of becoming passe, which is hooray to me. I'm so excited. Uh, the conversation shifted a little bit here because uh, Heather pointed out that part of this issue with musicians seeking specifically what Lisa said about earplugs and can I just get a good pair of earplugs comes down to um, she she kind of frames it as misunder miseducation or or lack of education or lack of knowledge. And then she kind of rephrased it in a nice way to say that it's essentially that a lot of the uh, details and knowledge and education for the music community doesn't come from professionals who are unbiased. It's coming from marketing. It's coming from manufacturers. It may be coming from uh, trade organizations, but it's not coming from an unbiased health and safety perspective, such as how an audiologist would approach it. And I think Laura Sinnott, another uh, music audiologist, she's based out of upstate New York, she had a wonderful response to this that I want to share. Absolutely. And then I mean, how people, oh, well, if I'm a vocalist, I'm a violinist, so I, I probably need a special kind of earplug. And it's understandable because that is popular marketing and that's what everybody sees. And so they assume that, th that what instrument they play may determine the type of earplug that they need. And that's just completely false. I, you know, for me, my trend has been more um, people 
saying, like actually typing out or speaking this, my ears are my most important part of my body. I just, I need to know like what things can I do to make sure I can maintain and preserve my hearing as long as possible. Yeah. It's such a powerful message um, because we've been saying it, Juan, they're your money makers, right? You just said it earlier. I, I mean, we, we kind of shout this from the rooftop and then to have that reflected back to us. Now we have a biased view. We know this because the people who are reaching out are care seekers. They're people who are interested in this. They want to hear this information. There are those who don't or haven't thought that maybe they do who haven't sought care. So we are seeing a biased sampling. I get that. So all the science and statistics people can get off my back because I recognize it's a biased sampling, but I still see, I still say that it's significantly different than it felt uh, a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how Laura had put it too. For some musicians, they're getting some information that is coming from a marketing standpoint. So someone that's just driven to gain something, you know, for us, we just need to sit down, have a real talk. And that's something that with our approach, I think that can be not only just helpful, but more reassuring and having thoughts and ideas and providing options that aren't going to benefit anyone other than just the person who we're working with. And so it's just using and finding a tool uh, or even just a, a strategy that can be helpful for them to make sure that their money makers keep making them money. That's beautiful. And I, I think that one thing that we didn't touch on enough in the panel is just practically speaking, what what is the setup? What's the relationship? What is the encounter? Um, so I was curious if you and I could uh, briefly give individuals who might be listening and haven't done one of the visits uh, kind of a, a guide of what what would I expect? So starting from the beginning, they reach out to Music Cares, they reach out to the to the Recording Academy, they ask for a visit, they basically indicate an interest in this, and then the first thing that they're actually going to receive um, is a, a survey, a questionnaire, a pretty thorough questionnaire that is the same as what you and I Juan do when we're seeing people in person, as far as musicians go, talks about their musical exposures. And then it also does a hearing test. Do you want to share any information or would you rather? Yes. It's a really quick little examination of your hearing. It's not like you're being quizzed on your ears or anything like that. (laughs) Um, So the hearing test aspect, you know, it's nothing to be concerned of. Um, But it's basically a very simple way to assess your hearing profile, seeing where it is that day, using um, whatever equipment that you have. And we can use that information um, to screen and see where um, your hearing is, address any concerns. We can use that information. And if we need to make a recommendation later on, that's something that we can talk about. But it's something that's very simple, doesn't take a long time at all. And as soon as you're done, it gets submitted and the provider would be able to interpret those results, uh, read everything that uh, the that's in the questionnaire and the demographic. And that really is extremely helpful information. For me, I go through and thoroughly uh, read through every patient uh, intake form and make notes. And that's when I uh, actually use that information 
and then ask some follow-up questions. I want some more information. Um, and so, oh, you're experiencing this or this happened. Uh, why are you having more exposure on one side than the other? And kind of getting in and answering these questions, that really helps direct and navigate, one, where the conversation's going to go, but also um, lending to um, finer recommendations on my part. 100%. And I think uh, I think it helps build trust be, and um, kind of an instant rapport. Like I read through a guy's chart. Uh, this was, I don't know, six months ago. Um, and it indicated that this individual stopped touring in the last year. And I looked it up ahead of time. Okay, the, the band is still going. Why is the individual not touring? And so uh, immediately off the bat, that was one of my first questions is what, what made this change happen a year ago? Um, and they indicated for reasons outside of hearing health, they needed to make a change in their life. And uh, the fact that I appreciated and, and understood kind of how big of a change that was uh, to change their whole lifestyle and, and go into basically this individual into, went into uh, equipment management in a, in a rental house. And we were immediately on the same page as far as uh, he recognized that I understood the industry and I recognized that this person was going through a transition period uh, with their career. Uh, so we're right off the bat ready to, to have a, a deeper conversation. I wanted to circle back though. I didn't mean to go off on such a big tangent there, but I wanted to circle back about the testing. And then I wanted to move on uh, about what the person gets during and afterwards. But about the testing, um, I know that some audiologists and hearing healthcare folks listen to this show. They're probably wondering, what is this exam that we're doing? How do we do a virtual telepractice audiology? And there's two steps to the exam. The exam is first an air conduction threshold measure that's done uh, online through the own individual's headphones, which right there introduces a little bit of a concern in a lot of uh, hearing healthcare providers because you realize there's a calibration issue, isn't there, right? And the system has been designed so that it can kind of float a little bit and raise and lower the overall by first self-calibrating with the individual's responses like a lot of other online uh, hearing exams do. And then the real strength to this evaluation, and I, I so appreciate that Heather pushed for this, is that it also runs a digits and noise test, a DIN test. Uh, do you want to describe the DIN test? Yeah, it's essentially a really nice way to address the question sometimes that anyone taking a screener or anyone getting their hearing checked might say, well, I don't have a problem necessarily hearing and quiet and listening to quiet tones. My issue really is whenever I'm in background noise. So we understand that. And it's a way that we can get an idea of what the auditory system is like when it's under stress basically when it's in use. And it's a really quick little exam that has the person listening through the headphones, various different numbers in varying background noise. 
And so it's essentially a pass, no pass sort of a screener, but it can cooperate pretty well with the pure tone measurements that we get. And it really does help us um, direct the, the conversation. And of course, if there is anything odd or any autologic red flags, that is, of course, when we do bring that up with the patient, make a recommendation to see someone in person. 100%. And I love that you mentioned the whole corroboration between the pure tones and the digits and noise results, because that's how I'm using it a lot in my counseling is to look at these hearing test results. And with the support of a stellar digits and noise response, I can then reinterpret those air conduction hearing screening results and we can determine if there was maybe, in a couple cases I've had, um, some technical issues. Some folks accidentally changed their volume settings in the middle of the test, and that's very obvious on the test results to us as we're reviewing it. So we can wipe that off as a technical interference. There has been some technical interferences where the person's headphones were just too sensitive or they had some kind of a compression circuit on their output listening because I have some people listening in their studios and some other situations where they're using pro audio gear that changes the output a little bit. And we're able to identify that and guide the person on how to get more thorough testing. So I find it, it really enhances the validity uh, and it's something that I don't see with a lot of other online screeners is this level of uh, integrity in the results. We, of course, you know, under this is something I bring up with patients. And so they complete the demographic, they uh, do the screening exams, and then they come see us. Of course, make sure that I'm, you know, talking with the person that we should be speaking with, of course. And then I just bring it up and say, hey, what particular goals do you have in mind? What questions can I help you with? How can I help you? Um, what do you need? And they'll let me know everything and we'll get the conversation going. But I also like to um, go right off the bat, say, I realize the limitations that uh, we are experiencing with this virtual consultation. I'm calling from Chicago and they might be calling from somewhere in Texas. And so it's clearly distance can be a bit of an issue. Um, and that's something that I am very uh, transparent about. And that's something that I think helps develop a little bit of rapport, but also um, ensures that they are being seen by someone who is going to take care of them. If we do find something that uh, a that would be better addressed seeing by someone in person. There's mm -hmm. other people that we can recommend for, for that. And so. And the big thing that I end up recommending folks to go see somebody in person for, uh, brings me to the last point of kind of what our follow-up is. So every one of our patients gets a report that they have. It has their test results. It has all of our recommendations, has some summary information, all of our guidance, some additional resources, but they're also receiving a set of hearing protection devices from Music Cares. And in the past, historically, it's important to recognize that Music Cares used to fund custom hearing protection devices for all of the attendees at these clinics, at the hearing clinics. They're not doing that anymore because they're instead funding these consults. And everybody that I've talked to said that they much more value this conversation and this time than the earplug because. I hate to say it, but the vast majority of those custom fit earplugs that we fit are not in use today, either because we fit them on people where it wasn't necessarily the need 
right? They, I didn't need this custom earplug. I just was getting it because it was free. Or the more common, which is a product can be lost, damaged, stolen, whatever. It just goes away. But knowledge never does. So the show a horse, teach, what is it? Teach a horse? No, teach a, teach a fish. Teach a, teach a man to fish. I'll get there eventually. Help me out. I'm digging a hole. Teach a man to fish and they'll feed themselves. No, give a man a fish. There we go. I found it. Give a person a fish and you'll feed them for a day. So give them a pair of earplugs. You protect them for the, for the short term. Teach a person to fish and you feed them for a lifetime. Teach them how to protect their ears and care about their ears. Then for a lifetime, they are in charge and they're in, they're in the driver's seat now of their ears. And that is so empowering. Beautifully said. Yes. <laughs> Sure. No, when you get to it, definitely. <laughs> when I get to it. When you yeah. get to it, yeah. So yeah. just have the Eventually. I'm like a really nice restaurant that's way too far away. <laughs> when you get there, it's going to be a fine meal. <laughs> um, oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, let's get back on the, on the track, though, with the panel. Um, Heather uh, then laid out some very, very interesting, unique feature of this telepractice platform of tuned which is that each attendee can actually pick their own provider not based on just scheduling alone although i'm sure that that's a main reason that a lot of people pick their providers is who's available at a time that's convenient but also based on their profiles and we already touched on this but i have heather here talking a little bit more about the uh, provider profiles laura touched on something which was the videos that all of the audiologists make where people can see who we are, what our specialties are, if they feel like they click with us. I think that's so important as a patient. I mean, I know I've gone to see providers and I think, boy, I wish I would have seen somebody else. You know, I feel like they don't get me or we just don't click for some reason. Um, one of the really beautiful things about this partnership with Music Cares is the variety of audiologists and that each patient gets to choose, you know, who, whoever works for them. In a word, one word, how would you describe your appointment style? And now this is the point that I personally have been waiting for with my conversation with Juan. I've known you for a while. I am so curious to hear what you would say in one word is your appointment style as a provider. <laughs> no pressure. There's a lot of pressure with this one. I'm sorry. In one word, my style for conducting a tuned appointment. Hyphens are okay. Hyphens are okay? Okay. Yeah. Person-centered. It's a good hyphen. Whenever I see anybody, it's it, it's about them. And I tell them that this time is about you. I feel honored that you had selected me for, for being your provider. Now, what can I do? How do you use your ears and how do they connect you with the world? So I'm more wanting to understand that question and that part of the person's life. And so it's all directed into how they use their sense of hearing. And I go, okay, awesome, wonderful. Hey, I do the same thing too. And we can, you know, connect through that. But also I just put into my recommendations of here's some ways to make sure that the way that you use your ears, you can still continue to do that for the long term. One hyphenated word I would probably say person-centered. That's like a $5 hyphen right there. That hyphen is doing a lot of work and person-centered. That's good. 
I had a semi-hyphenated response, which was laid back. I say semi-hyphenated because I'm not too good with grammar, so I'm pretty sure it's hyphenated. English is um, not my first language either, so it's okay. <laughs> but it was in contrast to uh, everybody else on the panel. You can go and listen to their their responses, but most of their responses came down to education. In fact, Heather using a hyphen there as well as over-education was her, her one word. Um, and when you hear her talk, that lines up so perfectly because it's with so much honesty and with such a true purpose that she presents an over-education that becomes a positive. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because to a person like me who is a type B minus personality and uh laid back to a fault, uh, I hear over-education and I think that's probably not for me, but I could sit and just listen to Heather explain stuff all day long because the way that she then makes it relatable is really uh, a key. And if you haven't heard Heather's voice before, and this is a new listening, uh, she's actually been on not one, but two episodes of Talking Ears before because she had so much good stuff to say. I had to throw in a bonus episode. <laughs> so go back and listen to her if you found, if you agree with what I just said. All the other responses, I think uh, Laura's was really strong too. She said passionate. Mm-hmm. Passionate caring for people is the reason that we do this, Yeah, right? You have to have a passion for it. Absolutely. But the one other good response, if you go and listen to the full panel, is Lisa Tenenbaum's response. She gets the gold for this. Moving on, uh, Heather continues with explaining a bit more about how Music Cares and Tuned works, and I feel like that's really important to share in this discussion. So let's listen to that now. I think it's really interesting to hear about all the different styles, even though we have similarities. Obviously, we all love to educate, but we all have different personalities. Um, And just going back to how cool that is that someone can pick. They don't just have to say, well, this is the person that's down the street for me who I need to see really quick for ear impressions or something. You know, they can develop a relationship with us, see us every year for an appointment, and hopefully stay with us for the rest of their career, um, and we can check in on them every year. So I really like that. I... One thing we have not mentioned is that when someone sees one of us, if they do happen to be someone who's struggling with a hearing disorder. So Lisa mentioned earlier something called hyperacusis. That's where you have decreased sound tolerance. We've already mentioned tinnitus a couple times. There are other disorders as well, such as pitch perception issues or distortion. We do have a disorder specialist. Nancy Gold currently is our specialist. And if someone sees one of us and they need more care, they get to meet with Nancy. And if they need more care beyond that, they're able to go back to Music Cares and state what they need and perhaps get a micro grant to cover management. A lot of what we've been talking about is just sort of this hearing conservation, you know, meet us annually, this kind of thing, which is the bulk of the appointments. But for anyone listening thinking, oh, this might not be for me because I I really need help with the ringing in my ears from 30 years of touring, you know, or whatever, that help is available. And it is really, really cool that that we can all uh, do that for folks. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this, uh, both because of our timing for the episode, but also because it's very hard to discuss these kind of more complex cases without giving away too much about an individual. Um, but I do want to say that her point there is so true that that 
that just like early on in our conversation, we mentioned that this is very often the first uh, consult, the first time that uh, a lot of these individuals are coming in to see an audiologist or having a discussion about their hearing health, we tend to unearth a lot of uh, what we call music-induced hearing disorders that can have a lot of complexity to their management. And being clinical audiologists, we can help guide that no matter where they are, whether they be in you know one of the big music cities, LA, Nashville, uh, Austin, or if they're uh, further sprung. I've seen people now in about six different countries through Music Cares and through Tuned. Um, we can help guide them to a local provider who can aid with those more complex um, complex needs. I'm really happy that we do have um, a, a specialist because like you had said, a lot of times that's actually another common thing that I do see is that this is literally the first time that they have seen a hearing care provider ever in their life. Mm-hmm. And to me that, I don't know, that's a bit of an injustice. Having this resource and having supplemental access to specialized care for this population. It's just incredibly exciting. I think actually Shannon said this. I'm going to steal her thunder a little bit. You know, uh-huh. a, person, a person can only uh, gain something than, um, than lose uh, anything from, from seeing us. So there's, there's, only, uh, there's only more to gain than to lose. Well, I don't know if you're stealing her thunder, but you are setting up something I was about to play as far as a clip. No, you are stealing your thunder. That's the definition of that, right? I just yeah. realized, yes. We don't have to put that in. It's okay. I'm thinking of making a t-shirt out of what she said, and I'll I'll quote you on it as well. Please I'll don't. give you guys cool. both equal, <laughs> equal, uh, equal, credit. Equal, uh, equal credit. Well, let's listen to that then, because Heather goes on to then ask the full group what she what we would say to any musician, anybody in the music industry, I should say. What would we say to them if we found out that they were just kind of dragging their feet or holding out on um, on making an appointment, on, on taking up Music Cares on this literally no-cost uh, consultation? And then Shannon then spits fires out, you know, all of these amazing t-shirt catchphrases. So let's listen into that. What would you tell a music industry professional who's debating pursuing a Music Cares hearing wellness appointment? So if someone said to you, I don't know if I should do this, you know, is this for me? My response would just be, what do you have to lose? You know, why not? But what do you guys think? I mean, have you encountered this with people saying, gosh, I didn't know if I should do this? What what do you tell them? Well, Heather, that's I that's the phrase that popped into my mind, too. You know, you've got nothing to lose. But then my brain immediately reframed it to you only have something to gain. Because every single person that I've talked to has mentioned on their own some sort of takeaway that they've had, something that stood out to them. And I just, I truly believe these appointments benefit everyone, no matter um, what they're coming to the table with. And the second thing that I would say is we're on your side. So I think a lot of the reason musicians are hesitant to seek out help from an audiologist is they're afraid of what their test results are going to be. They're afraid to be scolded. And we're on team your ears always. And that's why we've chosen to specialize as music audiologists. So we've got your ears and your back. I love, oh, I love that so much. I don't think anybody can talk that, <laughs> Shannon. That was perfect. Shannon, you got to start making some t-shirts with these phrases. 
So yeah. Good. Yeah. Does anyone want to add? I, I don't think no. you can add to that. So yeah, she she really brought the house down with those with those catchphrases. We've got your ears and your back. Um, man, man, that that's a good egg right there. Yeah, and I mean, all of us uh, would agree to that, and we are on the side of them. And I can understand the hesitancy and maybe the fear. I can understand the reluctance to see an ear doctor, a hearing provider. But the truth of the matter is, we're just here to have a discussion with you. We want to hear from you. We're here to listen. And uh, whatever way that we can incorporate something to help you, that's what we do. Yeah. I That was really well worded. Not quite as good as what Shannon laid down, just because she laid down such sick riffs. Uh, no one can top that. Yes, yeah, so I, I wasn't even going to attempt. And when I first had to listen to that, I just go, shit, well, I should just retire right now. <laughs> yeah, her poetic professional slam poetry really uh, really put us in our place. It did. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I mean, the this is, by the way, I mean, and, and Laura is now going to explain in one more kind of section here, kind of the candidacy, but... Music Cares is a uh, wonderful charity organization, and essentially to be eligible, all you have to be is in the music industry, a professional in the music industry. And there's a lot of misunderstanding around what that is, but these visits are at no cost, and they come with a lot of benefit. Uh, Besides just the one-hour consultation, it's allowing you to have annual access to an audiologist through consultation, if you, uh, you're you allowed to get the hearing protection devices, they will help fund additional hearing gear, such as active ambient in-ear monitors now, uh, hearing aids if needed, if you have a hearing loss. And what I hear from a lot of individuals, and again, we have a biased sampling because everybody who I hear from made the choice to come seek care. Right? So everybody who we didn't hear from, by definition, didn't make the choice to seek care. So we're reaching out to those people who haven't made the choice to seek this particular kind of care. Uh, and I'm just saying you don't need to have a problem currently to come out and seek care. Right? You don't have to have a raging tinnitus. You don't have to have a hearing loss. You don't have to have an issue where you are uh, in, in a worry state right now about your ears. If you're in the music industry... You're in an unregulated industry where you are exposed to loud sounds, and that automatically puts your ears at a certain amount of risk or damage uh, damage concern. And to avoid that means career longevity. What we want to do with this program is be there for you as a partner and a guide and an unbiased explainer is not the right word, but an unbiased... Um, an unbiased voice. An unbiased voice. That's a nice way of putting it. Um, so reaching out when you are not in a crisis with your ears is a perfect time to reach out. It's a perfect time to set up a plan to make sure that in the next five, 10 years, you don't find a crisis situation with your ears. If you're already in crisis, that's a perfect time to reach out as well. In other words, there ain't no bad time to reach out and take advantage of something that is literally no cost to you. Um, the, there's only benefits here. 
There's one more section that I wanted to share, one more clip, where uh, Laura, like I said, does go into the Music Cares candidacy a little bit further. And because Heather is such a great moderator, she kind of wraps up this whole conversation in, in a neat little bow. If you work in the music industry, even if you're not a musician, even if you're not an audio engineer, the qualifications are that you have been working professionally in the music industry in any capacity. You could be a vendor, a guitar tech. It doesn't matter if you work in the industry, in the music industry in any capacity. And along those lines, I think one of the coolest things about the the patients I've seen is the diversity of the people I have seen. Musicians, of course, a lot of female audio engineers, which is awesome. I've seen music editors. I've seen people who run venues. And I uh, recently, I kind of sort of have to change this in order to de-identify, but I saw an opera singer who is with a circuit bending band. I mean, you just get a crazy diverse amount of people in the industry. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because, and I think I think people, especially outside of the industry, all of us have been in the music industry for so long that we take for granted that we know about the diversity. A lot of people on the outside think of the music industry as just their favorite band who's on stage. And they don't know all the people who are behind, you know, making the show happen um, or making their favorite album happen or even the people who play down the street at their local coffee shop. All of it is the music industry. Um, and I think that's a great point, Laura. And the thing that I would stop there and and mention, I say this all the time, and I think that statistically it's probably pretty accurate. I think the people that you see on stage is approximately 1% of the music industry. So the person with the limelight on them uh, is only there because there's 100 people behind them, or I guess 99 if you're that math statistics person that was yelling at me earlier. Uh, there's 99 people behind them supporting that be it the tour uh, personnel, the drivers, the stage crew, the venue crew that night, the bouncers, the security guards, the servers, the people who got them on the radio station that morning to promote their gig that night, the people who set up the lights and the rigging and the sound system. Who am I missing, Juan? Photographers, bartenders, you know, any staff, really. Um, Managers promoters, uh, graphic designers, all of these people are in the music industry. Because we are now outreaching to the music industry through Music Cares directly, I've seen a huge uptick in managers coming through for appointments when they are not the ones being exposed, but they want to take care of their artists. I've now seen a bunch of graphic designers who, I didn't realize this, have to go to a lot of shows because they go to every concert of every group that they work with because they want to support and also get a better sense of the the groups that they're working with. That was news to me. I always knew that they like making things look pretty and listening to music while they do it. I didn't realize the, the extent to which they were involved with live production. So I'm going to continue on with what Heather has to say here. I would like for the listeners or viewers to know that in order to see one of us or the other audiologists who are on the platform, they can reach out to Music Cares. Um, so musiccares.org is, is where you would go. And there's a section called Get Help. Even if you don't feel like you need help, but you want to have your ears screened and learn about how to protect yourself, you can reach out to Music Cares and see if you're eligible. And we really look forward to seeing you. And I, I can't thank all of you audiologists enough for doing this panel with me for... Protect Your Hearing Month, which is October. Yeah. 
And Heather, uh, it's not said enough, but thank you for, for making this platform and making this available to the thousands of people we've seen. And, and you don't you don't get it nearly enough credit. It'll never end the amount of credit you deserve. Agreed. To say it's my pleasure is an understatement. It's a privilege to help serve this community. And I wish we had more time just to talk about Music Cares in general, but what a fantastic organization. Um, and for those who don't know, they... It's not just audiology. They do so much. Mental health services, addiction services, all kinds of things. And so we are just one small part of of what they're doing. And I'm thrilled that I can manage this side. The panel discussion is available online. um, So we'll post a link to that as well. Juan, I thank you for your comments on this. Uh, We missed your face on the panel. There was a little box in the corner that I left open for you, um, covered with some logos and things. But uh, we missed you on the panel. So thank you for sharing your your sage thoughts with us. It was wonderful to be able to catch up with this because, yeah, it, it was certainly a, a conversation that I would have loved, loved to continue talking about. So thank you so much for bringing me in to provide some additional comments. So this was great. 100%. And I do have to threaten everybody that that's probably not going to be the last time we get to have that kind of panel. In fact, there's now some discussions about um, some additional projects on on the sides, so we're we're um, we're going to keep bringing you this content and information. And if you enjoy this, if you found this helpful, if this brought you to the Music Cares platform, or if uh, you're an audiologist and you're curious about this kind of telepractice, uh, even if you are not a music audiologist, this kind of telepractice is expanding beyond the borders of music cares and music audiology. So please reach out to one of us, either somebody that you heard on the panel or even Juan or I, and we will be happy to direct you to the right people because um, this is the new kind of way that we are able to spread this information and and spread this service and care one-on-one with, with patients who are seeking it. Cool. Thanks, Juan. Thanks for your time. And uh, I'll talk to you next time. Great. Thanks, Frank. Thanks for everyone for listening. Be prepared for some exciting stuff. Talking Ears is a production of Earmark Hearing Conservation. The theme music is by Scott Hallam. You can find more of his music at audiodowsing.com. The show is produced and edited by Juan Vasquez, Scott Hallam, Mary Kim, and myself. Thanks for listening. Thank you.